Welcome to the Sharpen Leadership Podcast with Pastor Ricky Temple. This podcast is designed to sharpen your leadership skills and improve the quality of your life at home, at work, and in ministry. Enjoy today's podcast with Pastor Ricky Temple. Many of the issues we face in life can make us feel like we're fighting a giant. In this Sharpen podcast, Pastor Rick will challenge you to take on those giants in your life and refuse to let them win. Whether it's money issues or relationships or even physical challenges, you can't have victory over your giants. So let's join Pastor Ricky Temple. I'm on a mission to help you learn to deal with the giants in your life. There's a list of 10 giants we, will, we must face at the bottom of your notes. It will not be covered in today's teaching, but it is um, true that we all face big things that come against us. And I use David as a launching pad because he's one of the most famous giant slayers that we know. But I do not have any intention of going through a Goliath sermon tonight today, so you won't look for me to make him the highlight reel of the whole sermon. If you look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is the story about starting in verse 1 where King Saul has been rejected and it's the introduction of David to the world. Chapter 17 deals with Goliath, David and Goliath, and it's this incredible story about a champion who's mentioned in chapter 17, verse 4, who came from the Philistines named Goliath, and he gives his dimensions, really huge man, chapter 17, verse 5, talks about the size of his helmet and his coat and and it just gets the bottom line. He's almost 10 feet tall. Some authors say 58 or so in the waist. This is a huge man. And what's amazing is how a young boy, David, slays this giant. The giant is eventually uh, defeated by David. Um, and uh, verse chapter 17, verse 50 Records David prevailed against the, over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, struck the Philistine and killed him. Now I want you to notice that is a story we've all heard for a long time. You've heard about David. You've heard about how he how he killed this giant. What's impressive to me is what made him like that. How is it that a young boy could encounter something so large and refuse? to let it win, to let him win. David's an incredible young man. But there are seven things that I pulled out of David's life, and I think these are seven thoughts about how David faced this giant that might help you. And what it will do is hopefully reignite in you some principles, some thoughts. That's all I want to do this morning. I want to ignite thoughts. I want you to, mo- I want you to think with me and say, hmm, Am I headed toward giant slaying? Do I know how to deal with my giants? Let me start with a few questions that might just get us jump started. What have you accepted as fact in your life forever? What have you accepted? You said, this will never change for me. What have you given up on trying to change forever? What have you said, I'll never change this. It will never be any different than the way it is today. When was the last time you refused to accept something? When's the last time you said, I refuse to accept this? I was talking to somebody the other day. They said something to me. And I looked at them and said, why are you accepting that? And they looked at me with this odd look like, hmm, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, you have, you have some issues in your life. Think about, just think about for a minute what you've accepted. 
living month to month. You've accepted not having enough gas. Gas goes up, you praying and speaking in tongues and jumping around and asking God. Gas goes down, you shout. Why do you accept that lifestyle? Why, why is it that you accept bad grades? Why do you accept that? You don't have to have bad grades. It's, it's, it's something that you accept, though, sometimes. I'm just dumb. I can't learn. No, it's probably a study issue most of the time. Now, there are dynamics that can happen that can cause you problems, and you can get help and counsel and support for those areas. But there are times when the real issue is you've accepted it. Some families have accepted poverty. You know, you go to people's house and they just walk around and talk to you. Child, please, they ain't, they ain't just out here to... <laughs> a can of raid would help. $35 a month, somebody come in and spray your house would help. If you can't afford somebody, go down to Home Depot, get that Popeye for stuff, get you one of them buckets, write bug man on your shirt, walk around your house. The bugs don't know who you are. Just but you tend to accept it. You accept your knees hurting. You accept, you know, you need my knees hurt. Okay, your knees hurt, why? Maybe, you know, I don't, you know, my doctor told me. I just went to him the other day, got all checked out, you know. And he checked my knees out, had a little, and he said, no, he said, you know, you need to, it's the muscle right here. You gotta strengthen that a little, because you strengthen this leg muscle. Take some of that knee pressure off. Sometimes he said it's because of weight. In my case, that wasn't an issue. <laughs> well, I mean that in a good way for me. I'm happy. I'm proud of my weight. I'll tell you what it is. You want to know what it is? Uh-huh, guess. All right. No, I think I'm, I think I'm uh, 180. There about. There about. Good for my size. Good for where I'm going. I'm going somewhere. Don't mess with me. I'm on a mission. But I said that to make a point. Why do you accept that? And, and you, just, you just don't change it. Tell me something that you, you accomplished that you thought you could not. Can you go back in your mind and play the tape back? And you thought you could never, ever accomplish maybe school, maybe, I don't know what it is, business. But you accomplished way more than you ever thought possible. See, there's, there's a... There is a way you think that leads to a place of blessing and harvest in your life. There's a way you process that you've got to, you've got to zone in on if you want your life to be better. Now, I want to give you seven things about David that I thought were impressive. Seven things about David. First Samuel 16, starting at verse 11, or verse 1. I want you to notice something. First Samuel 16, 1. The first thing I noticed about David's life is he, he handled isolation well. Say that with me, please. He handled isolation well. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now notice you have... You have the rejection of a leader, 
which is always a warning for me because I realize that God can replace me anytime. I'm real clear about that. You do certain things, take certain risks, you can put yourself in all kind of trouble with God. So Saul is rejected. Now, if you want to know why, you can read chapter 15. His behavior, his attitude led him to being rejected. God will take his anointing off of your life. You will have the same opportunities. I consider myself privileged and I want to live in a blessed way. So I have to make sure I remember that, you know, he's not someone that you just play with. Chapter 15 talks about the rejection of a leader. And now he says, I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want to appoint another leader. Well, what happens is if you skip down to verse six, he gets down to uh, Jesse's house. And the first guy he sees, the first one of uh, Jesse's sons is a guy named Eliab. Everybody say Eliab. So it was that when they came, they looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel, the prophet, is sent to find Jesse's house to anoint the next king. So the father calls all the sons in the house but David. First, the first one that Samuel runs into is Eliab. And he says, that's got to be the man. What's his name again? Eliab. Now watch why. Watch why. This is an incredible statement. Surely he's the Lord's anointed. Verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his what? Appearance or at his physical stature. He must have been stunning. He must have been one of those. Have mercy. You know, ladies, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you would know. I don't know. I ain't looking for you. Know what I'm saying, but 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 well, you know, even let me tell you some guys can lie. But, you, you know, when I get you stand next to somebody, you know, um, and they, they look a little better than you look. So you be trying to pull up your you know, stuff. And, you know. <laughs> this is a guy. Muscles, good looks. He just got it working. Samuel said, that's the one. Watch what he says. Do not look at, at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. There's a word for you, ladies. You can have you a fine, good looking, deep talking, wonderful looking, rejected man. <laughs> One that God has rejected. I will never bless him. I will never use him. There's nothing. He looked good, but don't let that fool you. Here's a verse. Now, guys, you can use the same principle for yourself. Give me an amen, guys, if you're there. Amen. Here's the principle. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? At the heart. That's a great verse. Now, every time you hear that statement, it reminds you of a lion. Somebody that looked good, but the brother wasn't what he looked like. All right, moving on with me. Now, watch with me. Chapter 16, verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, all your young men here. Now, after going through all the sons, none of them work. The Lord doesn't, doesn't send any kind of agreement that this is the one to be king. Uh, these are all your sons. And he, he said, uh, well, there, there remains yet the youngest. And, and there he is. There, he's right out there keeping the sheep. Now, I want to pause and ask a question. Why? When I asked you to bring all the children in here, did you leave one out? You ever been the one that's in left out? Now, now, watch this now. He said, um, Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. 
Now, I just want you to notice how cool David is. Now, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't doubt that just like they could see David, David could see them. Because he said, there he is right there. I think keep, that's him right there, David. Now, I guarantee you if all the men, all the boys are coming in the house to see Samuel, I would think David could notice that potentially. But there's no, you know, some of you are, you would have ran, what y'all doing? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to ever be left out. You're always trying to be in. You hate isolation, but let me give you a little clue. Isolation is where the power is. If you're ever going to have anything in life, if you have a whole lot of friends, you are going to be a broke person. Broke people have a whole lot of friends. Broke people. On the phone all the time. 5,000 people calling you. Broke. No future. Don't have much time. Poor grades. Can't advance. You got to have your buddies and your buddies all the time around you. Say broke. There you go. Poor grades. Can't advance. If you are not careful, you will spend your life not achieving much because you have got to have your people with you. David said, I stay out here with the sheep. Don't call me. Fine. I can handle isolation. He was not called in. I wonder why. I'll tell you why I believe one of the reasons, because people knew David was, you know, the Bible tells a story about how David, you read later on in in the chapter yourself. uh, I think it's in chapter 17. David told Saul. Saul said um, to David, you can't go fight Goliath. He said, yes, I can. He said, you can't fight him because he was a he was a champion from his youth. And you you can't fight. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, I was out there keeping my father's sheep. And one of the lions came and grabbed one of those sheep. I chased him. So, you know, David might have been 16. He might have been young, but he was bad. He said, I went after that lion, and the lion looked at me like, what you? <laughs> you know, when you're going to grab that, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, he's walking up like, I know I'm eating tonight. You know, I got me some hot sauce in the cave. <laughs> okay, I know you didn't have hot sauce, but you get the point. So, so he goes. Now, you know how you and I are. We'd have just said, Daddy, we lost one today. That's it. Because I doubt anybody in here would chase a lion to get anything out of his mouth. Father, it's already mangled up. Ain't no need in getting all hurt. He got it. And the Bible said, David, David, when the lion went back up to David, David smote the lion and killed him. Did the same thing with the bear. Now, you know what his brother's probably say? He crazy. He is crazy. If Samuel's coming here to see us, we don't need to keep him in the field. Any of you got any brothers and sisters you keep in the field? In the field. I hope he's busy. Don't come by. You even tell your friends if they're going to visit, don't come on Thursday because they're home. He had to be something. He out there playing. You'll hear in a minute. He's out there playing instruments. He's out there singing. He out there. He out there. This is what kind of. Don't bring David. No. And then all of a sudden, look out now. David walks in the house and he said, you the man, next king. Now, you know, all of them went, oh, God, the king. <laughs> David, that crazy boy. My old baby brother going to be the king. I don't know. If, oh, Lord. Eliab was through. But you see, what I like about David, David didn't worry about folks. Look at chapter 16, verse 17. David was the kind of person who focused. 
See, he started serving God aggressively when he was young. That's another thing about him. See, if you're really going to be a person who, who slays giants, you're going to have to start early, practicing. He started when he was young. Now, this is somebody talking about David, talking about David to Saul, because Saul would have these fits, and Saul would, you know, just start throwing stuff. And so here's the Bible says, so Saul said to his servants, provide me a man who can play well and bring him to me. I need a musician. I need somebody to calm my nerves. Well, when you're rejected by God, you got a whole lot of things on your mind. You know, you're about to be fired. You know, God already took his anointing off your life. So you just got, you got all kinds of problems, you know. Sometimes that's a sign you need to really deal with yourself because you're just going from one crisis to the next. I love, a friend of mine, he, Randy Morrison, when you call his voicemail, he says, live your life by design. He said, this is Randy Morrison. Live your life by design, not from crisis to crisis. Leave a message. <laughs> I didn't love it. I said, all right, boy, don't live your life by, from crisis to crisis. Live your life by design. God never intended for you to live that way. Well, you know, anyway, David, here's a guy who is focused. He's young. He's designed his focus on the things of God and watch what somebody else notices about him. Chapter 16, verse 17. Saul said, give me somebody can play. Verse 18. Then one of his servants, one of his servants answered and said, look, I have seen I don't know. I've seen this boy. He's the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is, first of all, skillful in playing. Now, he's out there playing with those sheep. I bet the sheep would even dance out there. I bet he had the sheep rocking. And so he said he's a mighty musician, skillful in playing, and a mighty man of valor. He's not scary. Watch this now. He's 16. He is a man of war. Don't mess with him. Nobody was stealing David's sheep. Nobody was taking his stuff. They knew not to. The lions knew. I'm going out there. <laughs> Lost my cousin, David. <laughs> man of valor, man of war. Watch this now. And he could talk, prudent in speech. And handsome. All right, ladies, you heard that? And the Lord was with him. Man, this guy's got it all together. That was his reputation when he was young. Giant slayers, you can tell them when they're early in life. You can see it in them. What are we seeing you? Where are you headed? Which cool self? I want you to notice this is the way you want to live your life as a young person. I want to say this again. A lot of you 14-year-olds, you act 12 years old, you act like you at home, you lollipop kid and all that stuff. But in school, you know, you the man, you the woman. You can be like David at this age. You don't have to wait till you get older. Third thing, he managed peer pressure well. Chapter 17, he goes down to see what's going on. His daddy sends him. I want to invert something for a minute. Go to verse 17 first. Number four said, let me two things at one time. He managed peer pressure well, and he paid attention to details and routines well. At an early age, he was the guy, when his daddy told him to do something, he did it. He didn't allow peer pressure to get him off. Now look at chapter, look at, look at chapter 17, verse 28. David comes down. And Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. Now, why was Eliab, you've heard him here, right? You heard that guy, right? Older brother. Why was he mad with David? Here's why. Well, go back up a little bit. 
The Bible said, verse 26, David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, his older brother, oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's answer was, aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now I want you to notice how cold this is. Peer pressure. His older brother leans in on him. Now a lot of folks, they give in when they start getting pressure. They just, they just fall under the pressure. Well, I didn't try to, I ain't trying, you know, I just came, you know what I'm saying? Daddy told me to come. I just, you know, don't be mad with me. Some people cry, leave the church. I'm leaving. Somebody is talking mean to me. I'm going home. Man, not David. Some of you, some of us are too sensitive to peer pressure. We're too sensitive to what people say. You're going to quit your job because they talk about you on the job. Ha, not me. <laughs> Unemployed for you? Why? You better wake up and smell the coffee. What's the problem? You're going to what? Quit your job that pays you money so you can eat. <laughs> Let them quit. I'm not leaving just because of you. Why would I do that? There's a time to leave. I understand that. But, but there's, a, there's a principle here. David, watch how David handles this. Look at verse 28. He said his older brother heard what he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why have why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now, that's low. Where your four sheep at? (laughs) See, sometimes when people say things to you, go at your pride. Watch this now. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. You are nosy. He didn't ask a question. Just start accusing him. You are nosy. See, that's why God rejected him. Sometimes you can get a handsome fool. Point it to you one more time. If you're not careful, you get somebody like this guy, who looks like he's got it together, but man, this guy's got a problem. The Lord said, no, I rejected him. He cannot be the king, not that guy. No, he looked good, but that's it. And now watch what happens. Watch how David handles him. Some good advice for you, how you deal with peer pressure. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Hey, man, listen, you know, this is a good cause. What's wrong with you? He must have always had an issue. He's the kind of always got to issue people. You know, some people are full time issues. They always have something wrong with what you did and they pressure you. David said, what's the problem now? Is this not a good cause? This Philistine's walking around here threatening everybody. I don't see you with your handsome self doing anything. So watch what happens. Watch David's response. I love this next one. Uh, Verse 30. He turned from him toward another and continued talking. He said, oh, please, tell me again what's going on with this Philistine. That's what some of you need to learn to do. Say, oh, I don't have time for that, man, please. What, tell me what's, what, who, else, who, who do we need to fight now? What's his name? Goliath, what? Well, who's going to have, I don't have, look here, boy, I don't have to, you may be my big brother, but I don't have time to be pressured. Some of you allow people to corner you. You know what I do? Uh-huh, you go around, Pastor Rick, you ask people for their W-2 form, you got an ATM in your church. Man, please, who needs to be saved? 
people don't know Jesus. I don't have time for that. I'm not, that's not true. You can't spend your life on foolishness. Amen. Going in circles over and over again. I want to talk to you because I'm offended. Don't be offended. I love you. Got to go. I can't every week you offended about something. I can't spend my whole life negotiating what bothers you. My whole life is not you. My whole life is not making you happy. My whole life is not making you feel good. I'm sorry. If all of you don't want to hang with me, fine. I can be isolated because one day you're going to need a job. Call me. Call me. I don't have time to spend all of my life. And I love David because he's a focused young man. That was number four. He paid attention to details. Now, back up and let me show you something. Chapter 17, uh, verse 17. Here is why David came. His brother didn't know this. Verse 17, Jesse said he didn't, David didn't even get a chance to say this to him. He jumped on him when he first saw him. Chapter 17, verse 17, Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brother an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brother at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captains of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring news of them. That's why he went. Daddy sent him to take some food to them. Give some to the leaders. That's why he was there. He was not being nosy. Now, now, please note what he did when he got there. Watch how he pays attention to detail. Verse 22. David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. He did exactly what daddy said. He followed the rituals and the routines his daddy laid out. I want you to take this food first. He did that first. Then go check on your brothers. And the last thing he was going to do was go tell his daddy. But he but but peers and people accused him. David was from his youth, 16, focused. He was a man who understood the power of following a routine. Number five, seven thoughts about how David faced his giants. He handled isolation well. He started serving God when he was aggressively when he was young. Thirdly, he managed peer pressure well. Fourthly, he paid attention to details and routines well. Just a thought, how you follow your parents' instructions, your room, your life, your homework, those little details tell me what kind of giant killer you're going to be. I tell you what messes up your life, the details. Small things. They mount up and add up to big things. What kills you physically is not one meal, it's all them little meals. They come on you around 40. They do. They start, you know, in the 50, 50. I, I, you know, that's why I work out because, man, I'm aching. I'm creaky. Woo, Jesus. My bones be talking to me. I ain't moving today. Shut up. You're going to get out of this bed today. <laughs> Enough of that. Got to move on. He was, he paid attention. Number five, he was not intimidated by the size of a challenge. I love his attitude when Goliath came at him. Verse 48. Look at this now. It said, so it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. He ran at the challenge. He did not run from it. You have to run to the challenge if you want to win. You have to run to the homework. You have to run to the challenge, run to the financial issues. You have to run at the marriage problems. You have to run at it. It's big, it's tall, but you're not going to win. And you have to run at it with confidence that God's going to give you victory with the tools you have. David had stones and a slingshot. That's all he needed. And he knew 
The lion knew. I'll tell you one thing. The lion and the bear's family was on the side saying, Goliath, you better run. <laughs> we have testimonies. <laughs> Somebody knew. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe everybody out there was nervous for David. I think some people say, whoo, I heard David's coming. David even told Saul, have no fear, David's here. That, those are his exact words. Have no fear, David's here, I'll take care of it. Where is he? I am not afraid of this giant. I'm telling you right now, when you start running at your challenges and running at your fears and running at those things that have you down, when you get out of here today, I want you to say, where is it in Jesus' name? We're going to take this thing on. Praise God. Hallelujah. He, he gained confidence, number six. He gained the confidence of those around him when he was young. Chapter 18, verse 5 says that the people around him liked him. Verse 5 says, David went out wherever Saul sent him, this is after he killed Goliath, and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming home. When David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the woman had come out of the women, rather, had come out of the cities of Israel, singing, dancing and rapping about King Saul with tambourines and with joy and with a little bebop music. And they sang. No, 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 no. Saul. <laughs> Saul has slain his thousands and David his what? Ten thousands. And Saul was very angry at the saying. This, the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul, I, David, from that day forward, one giant is killed and another one rises up. That's how it goes sometimes. You win on this side and a new enemy shows up. But like one falls, they'll all fall. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Praise God. I love it. But then there's a sad part to David's life. We're not going to read today a future study. He allowed his passion for affection to distract him from his purpose. In 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 11, he sleeps with Bathsheba. See, it's amazing. You can be a real good giant killer and be horrible at killing other giants. He was not good. He was not a good father. As a parent, he never slayed the parent giant. Giant. He never slayed the lust giant. It, it whipped him. Now I want to show you something today. This is how he started out. Where are you? You can learn from his life. And my goal is to show you some principles that will help you overcome. You need to say today, I refuse to let the giants win. Say that with me, please. Come on. I refuse to let the giants win. Thanks for listening to the Sharpen Leadership Podcast with Pastor Ricky Temple. For more great resources by Pastor Rick, visit him on the web at rickytemple.com.